this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode three, and we're recording on Thursday, May 23rd. I'm Jeff O'Neill, and I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're the editors of BookRiot.com. Rebecca, how are you? Doing great. I am fantastic this morning. I made my iced coffee double strength, sort of by accident. (laughs) It's it's because it's iced coffee season now. We're officially into we are officially in. It's been iced coffee season in Virginia for like eight weeks oh, now. Oh, boy. Um, but I'm awake. I'm awake and I'm ready. Well, we had to record early because there's too much news. There was a lot of news. We'll get we to could that. have, we'll we get could to have done this like on Tuesday this week. Uh, yeah, and we had, could have done it on Monday and had like nine. So we had to cut interesting stories. That's what we had to do because we don't have mm-hmm. time for it all. Good problems. These but are good problems. Our most interesting story was, of course, narcissistic. That's the most interesting mm-hmm. thing that happened to us this week. Naturally. Is that Apple featured this this podcast, folks? Whoop, whoop. Under new and noteworthy, you can go right now and whenever that is, you're listening to it. So if it's in five years, maybe not. But if you go to the podcast section of iTunes, you can see us under new and noteworthy. We're the Book Riot podcast. It has my full name and three letters of your name, which sounds about right to me. I don't know if that's yeah, I, I mean, I think that's generally how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if you've ever wondered, folks, if you follow Book Riot online, if you've ever wondered what it takes to get Jeff to use exclamation marks, it's this. I get six a year, and I used one. Mm-hmm. And a late-night text message yeah, to me, which we is also featured. very exciting. So thank you all for listening. So many of you are listening already, and we've heard lots of good comments, and we're so excited. We're having a good time doing it, and I hope you're having yeah, a good time listening. We are having a blast. And thank you, Apple, since now, yeah. you know, I'm sure that Apple is listening to all of our episodes. They but must, that was very, right? very cool. Hanging on every word. Day was made. That's awesome. Uh, and, and I did a little research about. It. I was like, well, how does how does this happen? What wizard picked us for this? Um, and apparently, enough of you rated it and reviewed it quickly after we came out. That that helps the algorithm. So, if you're so inclined and like the show, if you wanted to go to iTunes and rate it and or review it, honestly, positively too, maybe it would help. That would be awesome. So awesome. That would be great. And but we're going to keep doing it. This isn't our last show. Though we thought about wrapping it up. We're all, we got featured. What else are we going to do? Let's call Mission it accomplished. <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished. Okay, anyway, that's that. So thank you all for listening. We were super excited about that. We're excited about the show anyway, but, you know, never, hurt, never uh, hurts to get some outside affirmation. Uh, but we got, we got follow-up from last week. Let's do follow-up now. We do. We finished Dan Brown's we Inferno. What would you think? I loved I mean, I loved it. I think it's exactly what Dan Brown... It is what, it is what you want. It's what you it's, want. It, he, yeah, he gave me what I wanted. I had fun um, counting stuff. I wrote a fun post for Book Riot. Of, yes, you did. Uh, we'll Inferno the by the numbers. Like how many times we get reminded that Dan Brown's main character, Robert Langdon, is a symbologist. Uh, in case you didn't know, he's a symbologist. So much talk about his Mickey Mouse watch. So much. What is with that? More I'm than feeling I remember like, in the last books, I feel like. Yeah, there know. were six mentions of the Mickey Mouse watch. So um, many mentions of the Mickey and Mouse watch. And some harrowing moments for it I, in know, this book. I, I wonder if it's supposed to be like Indiana Jones' hat. You know, like he, Indiana Jones is almost losing his hat almost all the time in the movie. Yeah, but that's a, it's a cool hat. Like, But Dan Brown's dorky. I mean, that's part of the charm. It's just kind of dorky, right? I, I guess. Dorky I charm. mean, 
I, I, this probably furthers your argument on the last show that Robert Langdon is not smooth with the ladies. Um, I don't know if he's, he's either the smoothest ever or totally unsmooth. Like those are the two options. Like <laughs> I feel like smooth, he has he's one. so smooth that he doesn't even have to try or he's gotten <laughs> no game at all. I'll, I feel like he has like one good move. Yeah. He's not like James Bond where like you can kind of see it happening. Like, oh, here it comes. Here right. comes the Bond move. And you sort of appreciate it for its beauty and simplicity and elegance. But Langdon, it's either just he, he doesn't have it or it's just kind of like a force of nature that can't be controlled or understood. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, I really enjoyed Inferno. I got a press release. We, or we, we at Book Riot got a press release from Amazon informing us that it was like a, it had record-breaking pre-order numbers. Yeah. Uh, but Amazon being Amazon did not actually say what the numbers were. Oh, they, they said, it's the biggest ever. And you're like, okay. I guess yeah. I'll believe you. I saw that in the UK it sold like a quarter million copies in the first hmm. week, but that didn't include ebooks. Well, um, and that was, I guess, substantially down from the Lost Symbol. But the Lost Symbol came out before ebooks were a thing. Ebooks are about twenty percent right of the market. Do what you want with that information, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I you know, and Lost Symbol was the first book after Da Vinci Code, right? So that had a lot uh, of juice. A yes, lot of juice. Yeah, it did. And there was a lot more space between the Da Vinci Code and the Lost Symbol than yeah. between the Lost Symbol and Inferno. So, you know, I don't really care about Dan Brown's. He sold a lot of books, maybe not as much as the last one, but he's going to do okay. And yeah, I think he's all right. That is, um, there was an interview, I think, in the bookseller that uh, he's like, I know what I'm going to write about already. Dan Brown said this, and it's in Robert Langdon territory, which means it's another Robert Langdon book. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not the most subtle guy in the world, so I, I wouldn't Let expect Let the speculation the, begin. Yeah, so, you know, if you're a Dan Brown person and you're thinking about Inferno, it's what you want. Yep. It's like when you go to McDonald's and you want, like, a large fry, mm-hmm. and it's exactly what you want it to be. That's, exactly. that's what I feel like with this. It's, it, it's not the most highfalutin fancy thing no. you're ever going to eat. No, it's but not. It's when you not. want it, it That's it's right. satisfying. And it's, it's part of living a, a healthy, fun, interesting life. Okay. So that's follow up. We, we're going to do our first spot first. We are. So, our first sponsor this week for this show is Book Riot's own book, uh, Start Here Volume Two, which is in its final days of Kickstartering right now. We're rolling into the final countdown. Uh, and so, Start Here is a series that we do based on Reading Pathways, which is a popular feature on the site where we take an author that you've wanted to read, but you haven't because you don't know where to start. Um, for me, it is embarrassingly Hemingway. Uh, but I figure I should admit that before Jeff outs me. That's big of you because I was coming. It. I was ready, ready to pounce. <laughs> I know. You don't let too many weeks go by but without reminding no, me. No, that's next to my that, calendar of the that I haven't read Hemingway. Have I needled you about Hemingway recently. <laughs> Uh, so each sequence is, you know, a couple pages written by one of the Book Riot contributors or a writer that we've selected who's passionate about an author and who knows where you should start to get in. Oh, we got a livestock situation Ooh. here. My dog's barking. Uh, who's passionate about the author, who knows where you should start and which couple of books you should read after that start before you arrive at the author's big work or the seminal work that you need to have read to have a feel for who that author is and whether or not there's someone that you want to continue reading. Uh, So start here, volume two. It's on Kickstarter. Uh, The Kickstarter closes at midnight on Friday, May 24th. And, uh, you know, five bucks gets you the pre-order of the ebook. So back That would be awesome if you would go check out the Kickstarter. And yes. if you're listening to it after that day, um, Start Here Volume 1 is available to buy just out there in the wild. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobol, Apple Store, iBook Store. 
um, you can find it there. So check it yeah. out there. It's that on, one featured Neil Gaiman, Margaret Atwood, a whole bunch of great whole authors. Other, whole bunch of folks. Okay. So we kind of, I think we've got a kind of a 1A, 1B situation for the big story of the week. We do. Do you think? I, I actually think... Well, what do you think? You, you you tell me where you want to go. Which one of these? Well, do you think I mean, I think we just did Dan Brown. So while we're doing other blockbustery authors, maybe okay, we'll talk about yeah. Stephen King. So Stephen King has a new book coming out called Joyland, and he announced this week that there will be no ebook edition of it. Uh, the reason being that Stephen King hopes that you will go buy Joyland in an actual bookstore. Like, that's a verbatim quote from the piece. That's a I quote. want readers to go to an actual bookstore. We'll put the story in the show notes. You can uh, see Rather yourself. than a digital bookstore uh, to buy the book. Um, which So this is interesting, but there is a big flaw in Stephen King's logic here because even Amazon. though there will be no ebook, right, he's not keeping the print books out of digital bookstores. I, and I don't so, even know if he could if he wanted to. I mean, it depends on his publishing I, deal, right? Yeah, I've for real doubt that a pub- that any publisher, even the publisher of someone as big as Stephen King, would let an author not sell their book online at, yeah. at all. So he wants you to go to an actual bookstore to buy the print copy, except you can totally buy the print copy, which is your only option now online anyway. So before I jump up and down about this, um, as is my want. <laughs> Are you going to jump up and down? I feel a little bit like I'm going to, but I should say, too, that the book itself was published with a press that does like pulp crime. You know, mm-hmm. and like it has a really pulpy cover and it's meant to feel like a pulp book from the mid-centuries. And there is a certain tactile quality to those pulp books. You know, they have black backgrounds and bright sort of lettering. And, you know, it's like a barely clothed woman on the cover and those sorts of things that really make the physical copy part of a pulp novel. But on the other hand, it's like I don't want to buy the I don't want to buy the damn print book, man. Like I'm all ebook now, as as I've said before on the show. And elsewhere, and I, if I would, I'm on the fence about the book anyway. Not buying it, can't buy it. Can't. I'm not going to go to the store and buy it um, because I don't live within 25 minutes of a bookstore, um, and I'm not going to order on Amazon. So I'm just not going to do it because I want to buy it on my e-reader. I've, you know, it's his prerogative, right? I guess. I mean, I should say that. Like, what do I care? But it's yeah, I like, think it's. I don't know. I have so many feelings about yeah. this, <laughs> and. One is I think, you know, fine, if you're a huge Stephen King fan and you're going to read everything that he publishes no matter what and you will take whatever you can get to get your hands on it, then sure, you're going to maybe go to your bookstore because you respect Stephen King and you want to do what he wants you to do. And he's huge. But how many people is that really? And how many people are just going to order it on Amazon because that's what they do? Um, And how many sales is he losing by not making it available? He clearly doesn't care if he loses some sales. Right. right, clearly. And he's he's big enough. He can experiment. And that's I respect right. an author. Sorry, my dog is real excited about that's Stephen okay. King. Yeah, that's right. Me, I am too. Um, I can respect an author trying something new like this. I just wish that he hadn't done the – I guess it feels a little pandery. Like I'm going to say I want to support bookstores and I want you to go to a bookstore and buy this thing, except, oh, hey, it's still totally available online. Guess, yeah, the other thing about it is too, it's like – it feels like forced morality, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm going to, I want you to do the thing I think is right by not giving you a choice. And how many people would he have to change in, in this one instance for it actually to make a difference? Like, yeah. Two, two independent bookstores to keeping them open. Like, no one author 
can do that by himself unless he managed to convince all of his readers to walk into independent bookstores, assuming that they live near them. And Maybe it'll get a bunch of people into bookstores. I mean, it, it could. I, I don't really know. I sort of doubt it. Um, I but dubious. as a way of sustaining um, bookstores, physical bookstores, this is not going to work in the long run. So it feels a little bit like, I don't know, a little precious to me. That, that's, I guess that's where I come out on. It's like feels a mm-hmm. little precious. But it's his book. He can do whatever he wants. I should say it's that. His you know, it's prerogative. It doesn't get me that mad, really. It feels a little bit like, you know, shouting into the wind of the future to do something like this. Yeah, it feels like your heart is in the right place, Stephen King, but you're sort of ass backwards about it. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's coming out. That comes out this fall, that book, September? Uh, like yes, I believe it's September. Um, so other big no, story. No, no, next week. I'm sorry. June 4th. Oh, it's Jeez, next week? my mistake. Holy Moses. Man, I'm surprised that we're just now hearing this news yeah, about I know. the I, ebook. You know what? Actually, I heard rumblings about it in the fall, and I think I linked to it on the site, but it's actually coming back now, so it's um, making some waves again. So, so story... One yeah, B, I guess. Maybe one A, honestly. This one. So Amazon is coming out with this, I guess, an imprint or a program or something called um, Amazon Worlds where you can write officially sanctioned legal fan fiction and sell it on Amazon. Um, and the owner of the original copyright gets a cut of your sales. That, that's, the, that's the overarching thing. So if I want to write a fan fiction thing about Property X... Um, I can do it legally, use the characters, um, totally above board, and the person who uh, owns the copyright gets a cut. Now, the subtitle to the story is there's not that many really cool properties available in the program right now. It's mostly like TV shows like The Vampire Diaries and Gossip Girl and stuff like that. But I think this particular thing is not that interesting, but it's part of an interesting trend, kind of like Google Glass. Like Google Glass is kind of weird and creepy. But the future of like wearing a computer on your face is kind of awesome. So that's kind of what I feel like about Amazon Worlds. Like this thing itself isn't that cool, but what it could be the harbinger of, I think, is pretty awesome. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty cool too. It's it's great for the people who created those original properties that they're going to get a cut of the proceeds that come or the profits that come of other people using their characters. I think that's really interesting and it's a piece of it solves a piece of people's issues with fan fiction in some ways. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey was originally Twilight fan fiction. Stephanie Meyer didn't see any uh, any of that money that E.L. James made. And there are, you know, swimming pools full of it now. So it just occurred to me, has E.L. James made more money off her books than Stephanie Meyer did off the Twilight series? That's a good question. I think it might be. I think it's entirely possible. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to look into that. We'll get back to you next. Yeah, I think it's, show. it's possible too. That's a sorry, good, I didn't interrupt. Go yeah, on. no, no, that's a good question. So I'm, I'm interested in what that's going to do for people who have created these properties. I also, I don't, I wonder if, um, if it's really going to lead to the creation of new fan fiction. Like m- maybe it sort of misses the point a little bit. Like mm. you want to be a writer. So here's a list of pre-approved characters that you can take on and write fan yeah, fiction like about said, it. It feels so to me cool. like, yeah, like fan fiction, um, in my very limited, head. like, you know, this is the first step and see if yeah. it works. Um, um, you cause know, cause it, it what, seems to be sprung out of, you know, genuine love or excitement for a character or a desire to, change the way that the story happens to a character to write dirty scenes for characters that don't have dirty scenes in their books. But yeah, if it's just the start of something, 
I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. I mean, it would be a bigger story if one of the properties were, I don't know, what are the, I guess Harry Potter, mm-hmm. uh, Twilight, Star Trek. Are those the big Ooh, fan Star fiction? Trek. Those are the big, like, sort of fan fiction mm-hmm. areas. Maybe right? Buffy. If, yeah, maybe Buffy. Or if there was something like there was actually a fan fiction community around already that suddenly was sanctioned. Like, think of how awesome it would be if J.K. Rowling was like, you know what? Go at it. I, I want to cut. I'm signing, I'm signing the Harry Potter series up for this mm-hmm. thing. And I'm going to get 10% or whatever. I don't even know what the percentage is. We'll put it in the show notes if you're interested in details. But I'm, I'm going to take 10% and you can write, you know, Harry Potter 8. Go, go crazy. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. That, that it would, would be really so be so amazing. And there'd be a lot I of think crap. It's... But there would be, you know what? I'd read some of it. That's, if someone said, you know, this one is really good or, you know, the community that cares about Harry Potter fan fiction said this one was really good. I would read a fan fiction thing if some people, I mean, like, that would be cool. That would be really interesting. Yeah, um, I think so, too. So, and even, you know, some of the classics, like. Oh, yeah. Well, classics, you can do fan fiction anyway, because I mean. Right. That's true. It's out of Stuff that's in the public domain yeah. oh, already. Oh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games fan fiction. Hunger Games would be fun. I mean, John Green, like, I'm Robert sure Langdon that. The- fan fiction. Oh, yes. Where he's just yeah. trying to pick up girls at a bar. <laughs> that's it. He's well, so. One of the favorite, my favorite things that I saw about this online was um, Maureen Johnson, who's a YA writer who has a terrific Twitter feed, tweeted, you know, rule, if you know, rule 34 of the Internet. Well, rule 35 is that if it exists on the Internet, Jeff Bezos will find a way to monetize it. And so I think rule 34 is applicable here because rule number 34 is that if it exists, there is porn of it. That's true. And that, that is what will happen. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like that, I will write Robert Langdon porn fan fiction. I think there is a prohibition on uh, graphic material on this. In, ah, Amazon. that's true. I think there's a no sexy uh, times clause. You know, there were. I, I bet there would be some John Green fan fiction. I'm sure that already exists. Well, it exists. That's a thing. So you know, that's it right. does. It exists. It, there is a love scene in The Fault in Our Stars. That's true. That's true. So that's interesting to see what's going to... I'm not interested in any of the titles that are available to write fan fiction about right now. I couldn't care less about any of it. But as a uh, a wedge, the thin end of the wedge of the door of maybe making mm-hmm. fan fiction legitimate, this is an interesting step. And Amazon has the clout to do it. You know, They can yeah. make the big kind of deals and they have their own publishing arm at some point. It'd be interesting to see if they have a big title that ever gets big, if they um, want someone to uh, sign up to have their characters available as fan fiction. So. Right. And I, I wonder if they'll just like backdoor it in some way. You know, if somebody like E.L. James writes fan fiction that they're going to self-publish or that they do self-publish and that starts to take off, like I would not be all that surprised if Amazon then went to whoever had created the original property that inspired that fan fiction and worked to get yeah, that'd be the interesting. license so that Amazon could republish the thing uh, under this new model and everybody can benefit. Yeah, that would I be, mean, it would be really interesting. Be interesting. Like it would take some author of exceedingly broad minded sensibility to say, okay, I'm going to essentially not relinquish my copyright. Cause I would still get a cut, mm-hmm. but my control, I mean, that's what that's about so much. Right? Yeah. It's a control over these characters that I've created. Um, someone, I think someone would do it. It would take, you know, I could see someone. Well, you know, Stephen King's a good example. He doesn't. He's not afraid to experiment. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Neil Gaiman. Yeah, Gaiman was a good example. Um, uh, you know, maybe Cory Doctorow, someone like mm, that, who's mm-hmm. always thinking about the next thing, where they might say, um, you know, have at it and uh, let's try this new thing. So Margaret I, Atwood. Margaret Atwood is a good example. Uh, William Gibson maybe is someone who's always thinking yeah. about these different kinds of models, but it would really need to be someone with a tentpole franchise that. 
people would get excited about actually creating mm -hmm. other stuff around. You know, it could also be a studio or a big company mm -hmm. that owns the rights, like Star mm -hmm. Trek, for example. I don't know what the what the um, current affair of the the rights to the Star Trek, uh, sorry, Star Trek characters are. Maybe the Roddenberry family still owns them. Maybe it's Universal or something like that. But you could see, like, what if Marvel, who owns the all the rights to the X Men or something like that, opened it up? Mm -hmm. It would be pretty interesting. You know, what about not, Mad Men? I mean, yeah, I mean, Matthew Weiner sort of decides he wants to open up. I don't know. It would be interesting to see. There's something to watch there, which is, I guess, mm -hmm. why we're interested in people are upset. Why are people upset about this? People are being snarky and weird. Is there any particular thing? I, I have a hard time being snarky and weird about it, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a new thing. Just and when new things thing. are yeah. things are new, new things are scary. Let's all be snarky and weird because we don't have anything else to say about it. Um, but I do want to throw kudos to Dustin Kurtz, who writes for the Melville House blog and, and works for Melville House, which is an awesome independent publisher. He wrote his piece about Kindle Worlds as gossip girl fan fiction. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you have to be snarky about Amazon, which is part of your job description when you work for an independent publisher like that, like at least be creative and fun in your snark and right. write me some Gossip Girl fan fiction. So, uh, we'll drop the link to that in the show notes, but I've read a bunch about Kindle Worlds in the last 24 hours and that was hands down the most fun and interesting thing that I've read about it. Yeah, so check that. I I'm changing the order on you on the fly. Ugh. Cause I think now we talk about the next story, which is. This movie called Script, uh, I'm sorry, movie, this uh, new company called Scriptlet, mm -hmm. which is going to do something pretty interesting too. But basically, they're partnering with uh, movie studios, and movie studios buy a whole bunch of screenplays to a whole bunch of different kinds of stories, but only a very small percentage of them get made into movies. Um, and it's not even necessarily the ones that have the best stories that get made into movies, but the ones that make the best films or that a particular writer or director get attached to. Or some executive thinks, you know, would make the most money. And so they have all these unproduced screenplays they own the rights to and nothing to do with them, except they're thinking about turning some of them into ebooks. They've got a treatment for a good story. Let's turn it into a novella or a novel and try to sell it, which I think is cool. It um, is cool. For a couple of reasons. One is so many of our best storytellers are working in film and TV. Mm -hmm. And that's just a huge untapped. Um, wealth of interesting stories that would be great to see in in language and in, in the book world um and the second thing that's interesting about it too is thinking about books coming from different sources rather than the traditional publishing system and not self-publishing like that's kind of the two poles of the world we're thinking about in books right now traditional and self and then mm -hmm. there's indie and stuff in the middle and this is like out of the clear blue sky someone trying to do something differently um so i think that's cool what do you think about that is that interesting to you or what do you think yeah, I think it's really interesting. I'm I feel a little cautious about it. Like let's let's see what some of these scripts let's see one. Let's see are. One, yeah. yeah, show me one. Uh, but I do think it's a really interesting like you said out of the clear blue sky a new way of generating book content for people to read or finding book content that wasn't written originally as a book. Um, and acknowledging that literature can be a lot of things. Yeah. Um I don't know who's going to be writing these cuz you know if these script ideas are full scripts or treatments, you know, they need to be turned into prose. So I'm not sure mm -hmm. if they're going to hire people or ask the original people to take a swing at it. So yeah, it feels like those are two different skill sets to have yeah, writing a screenplay a, and, a little, uh, and writing fiction. So 
it maybe might not they be get as easy as a movie studio thinks. Yeah, they need to a turn buddy. A good idea into a good book. <laughs> yeah, maybe they need a buddy system. Like yeah. here's the screenplay writer, and here is a person who has experience writing fiction, and now you two can be pals. And that's right. I mean, honestly, like to make a good thing, like maybe thirty percent's the idea and seventy percent's the execution for most things. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. just sort of thinking out loud here, but you know, having a good idea is one thing, but actually making it into something awesome takes more than just saying, hey, that was cool. Um, Right. Which it kind of feels like this might be right now. We'll see. We're going to keep tabs on this one. So if we see something uh, come out of this that looks interesting, we'll let you know. Okay, next sponsor. Do it. Third third time's the charm with Nolet's Silver Dry Gin. They're back. They're awesome. Sponsoring the show. They're awesome. Thank you so much. Not your grandfather's gin. This is a modern gin that will surprise you. If you don't usually like gin and you're interested in trying a new gin, you should check these out. The signature botanicals are these, Turkish rose, peach, and raspberry. Nolets has been distilling for more than 300 years, family tradition. Um, they also made Kettle One vodka, so I know you've heard of that and have probably had you know, a beverage or two with Kettle One in or around at some time. Um, just a few. Just a few. But you always drink responsibly. So Indeed I do. if you had a few, you responsibly give up your keys or call someone who can take you home. So check them out on Facebook, facebook.com slash no let's gins, no let's silver dry gin. Thanks so much guys for uh, hanging out with the sponsorship of the podcast. We really appreciate it. Super, super, super do. Super good. Okay. So we're all out of order. So I'm up again then because it's birthday. Yes, time. we are. It's birthday time. Birthdays for next week. Uh, well, you know, here's a Titan. Walt Whitman born May 31st, 1819 on Long Island, New York. I, had, I don't have to say anything else about Walt Whitman. You know who he is. Leaves of Grass, the great American poet, the Gandalf of poetry. If you ever seen a picture of him, so here's my factoid. <laughs> that's what? a show. That's the show. <laughs> the Gandalf of poetry. The Gandalf of poetry. <laughs> we'll see about that. So <laughs> Whitman was one of the early self-publishers. Um, the first edition of Leaves of Grass, his most uh, well-known and um, influential poem, was 500 copies that he printed himself. Not only did he pay for it, he actually set the type. He was a typesetter, um, and he did some interesting promotional things that I'm sure would set the internet ablaze had the internet existed. One is he wrote an anonymous review of his own uh, poetry in the paper, in the Brooklyn oh, Eagle. Yeah. And uh, the other thing he did is he was, uh, he sent a letter to Emerson, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was an idol of his and uh, said, you know, check out my poems. What do you think? Emerson wrote him a really beautiful, gracious letter back saying, you know, I'm going to watch your career. It's amazing that, you know, this is your first attempt. And Whitman, without asking permission, um, put that on the back of the next edition of Leaves of Grass, <laughs> just the whole letter. Yeah. So that's my factoid about Walt Whitman. Man, Walt Whitman would be so much fun on oh, the internet. Oh, my God. He would be a lot of fun on the internet. Uh, so that's what another big birthday next week. Ian Fleming, born May 28th, 1908 uh, in the UK. Ian Fleming, if you don't know, the author of the James Bond novels, the creator of James Bond and mm-hmm. the author of 13 James Bond novels and two collections of short stories. Ian Fleming was an awesome guy. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Uh, if you read about him at all, like, he, he walked the walk. of He was a spy um, for the Brits. And it, it, my factoid about him is that his um, career in spycraft began early. His mom was actually grooming him for the, for, for the foreign service and sent him, to a, sent him to a boarding school that was actually run by a former British spy. So it, it was in the cards early for Ian Fleming that That's he was so going cool. to be a spy. Um, not necessarily the writing part, but he was uh, born and bred to be a spy for uh, the, the great uh, nation of the 
the United Kingdom. So those are two birthdays next week. So happy birthday to Walt Woman, Eamon Fleming. And, mm-hmm. um, when yeah. you, you reread all the James Bond novels or read them for the first time uh, last yeah. summer? The Ian Fleming Bond novels. There's some other yeah. ones. Actually, you know, speaking of fan fiction, um, the, Bond, the Fleming estate has been um, pretty cagey about um, picking writers to write new Bond novels. Pretty, some of them pretty good. Kingsley Amos wrote a really good one. Um, I think Jeffrey Deaver. I'm going to get this wrong. Sorry, posterity for getting that wrong. Um, pre- pretty good subsequent Bond novels. So they've kept the tradition alive. And they're, they're fun. I read them when they come out. But uh, yeah, if you're, if you're a start here moment, if you want to read the best of the Ian Fleming Bond novels is Moonraker. And if you've seen the movie and you, you know it's terrible, but the book is nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing like the movie. Uh, it doesn't even happen in space. Nothing about space in the book version of Moonraker. So go check that out. So happy birthday to those guys. Let's move on. Book lovers. You want to do, I'm talking a lot. Why don't you tell us about this one? Sure. So, uh, Side note here is that last weekend, the very first publishing hackathon happened uh, where a bunch of people with ideas for new publishing related businesses and startups and tech solutions sorts of things got together and competed. Um, And so there's been the finalists have been selected now and they're going to announce the winner next week at Book Expo America. And the one that we've been looking at is this idea called Book Lovers, B-O-O-K-L-V-R-S, because vowels are just not cool anymore the whole internet needs to go on wheel of fortune and just buy some vowels <laughs> for serious okay they do all right so over. book so book lovers uh built on the idea that it is maddening now that everyone has e-readers that when you're out say sitting on a plane or on the subway on your way to work in the morning you can't see what the cute guy across the way is reading you don't even know if he's actually reading for sure so book lovers uh would if you were signed up and the cute guy was signed up um maybe it was connected to your Facebook account and you were in the same place, it would show you what people who were in the same physical vicinity as you were reading, um, provided that you were both signed up for this service and looking at it at the same time. So you might be able to pull up your book lover's account if they build this thing and it becomes a thing um, and see what he's reading and he might be able to see what you were reading and then you could have literary love on the G train. I think it's cool. I mean, this is like, even talk about the beginning of the seed of the, very young sprout of an idea. It was, it was more of a proof of concept or anything. But mm-hmm. the reason you know we thought it was interesting is it would be cool if you could see what the people around you at any given time were reading. And I don't know how this works. I don't think they have to actually be reading at the very moment. Or if you could sign up and say like I am currently reading this. Mm. You know, it's on my bedside table or you know uh-huh. whatever. And you could see what the people around you were reading because I, I ride the subway a few times a week here in New York. And that's a fun game to see what other people are reading. Mm-hmm. And the it is. e-readers make you sad because you can't see. Yeah, it's uh, all my voyeuristic urges are thwarted by Yeah. And, by people you know, reading on e-readers. I've sort of thought like maybe we should just put scrolling displays across the back of e-readers. <laughs> it's like <laughs> now now reading. Uh Yeah, I mean so that you could see what people were interested in. I guess yeah. you could maybe I mean make some sort of connection with them. At the same time I don't think I would ever sign up for the thing because I don't want to talk to you about my book well, when I'm that's on okay. the subway or sitting on a plane. Yeah, because that's that's weird. And that's not weird. It's like you don't want to – I want to see – I'm not sure I want to be looked at in that situation. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> right. Yeah. I would like for this to be one-way observation. Thank you. I mean you. if it wasn't creepy, like maybe if it was anonymized, you could like – maybe that would be a choice where you could be anonymous but just have your book show up. It's like someone within your in your area is reading X and you mm. could use it maybe as like a book. Mm-hmm. finding just seeing what people in your neighborhood or city like depending on the radius maybe you could pick different radiuses 
like your zip code or yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking yeah. out loud here. It would be it would be satisfying to be able to see what other people were reading since yeah. uh, e-readers are preventing us from doing that currently. Yeah, that's right. Um, but so you and I mean, your, you know, if you I don't know if you got a hit on a hottie on the train, like at least you can do it based on what they're reading. It would help that's, Robert Langdon out. It uh, would so help movie. Robert Langdon out. Robert Langdon would just throw that trivia down because you know he has reading it. reading his books. That, I mean, that, mm-hmm. I mean, what better opening line is, I see you're reading my book. Right, right, because people all over the world are reading Robert Langdon's iconography. Well, he's a famous symbologist, Rebecca. I mean, don't underestimate he is. that. Can we have a brief moment for how great the publishing jokes are in so good. the new Robert Langdon book? <laughs> Dan Brown clearly <laughs> is having some fun with the new world of self-publishing and online uh, discussion and uh, e-readers. And gee golly, maybe e-books aren't so bad. Maybe, maybe they ain't so bad. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's cool. And, you know, this thing probably won't be a thing, but, uh, as a thought experiment, we thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're just all for people trying stuff out, trying stuff out. Yeah. Try it out. All right. You're up. This is new release time. 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 It is. I feel like we need a, like a custom sound for new release time. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's cool. (laughs) Man, I've had a, what are the books we should care about? A lot of coffee. So this week, uh, Khaled Hosseini, Hosseini, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. And I didn't ask Twitter this morning, um, who wrote the kite runner and a thousand splendid sons has his first new novel in several years out this week. It is called and the mountains, echoed. Uh, Most of the synopses of this book that I've read are basically like the author of The Kite Runner brings another touching new story about how we live. So I don't really know what it's about, but if you Is it under are, embargo? Is it under review embargo? Do we know? Uh, it's out already. Oh, it's out already. Okay. It, so. it came out on Tuesday. Right. I haven't seen because much talk about it, I have to admit. We only talk review. about books that you can go put your hands right. on here. Yes, that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So it came out on Tuesday. I've seen some reviews on book blogs. I don't think I've seen any... Uh, big mainstream mm. book reviews, but that's probably because I just don't, don't read, don't read them. Don't read yeah, them. Quiet as it's kept. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's a big book because a yes. lot of people re- like him and like big the Kite Runner. And, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, check it's been a while since he's yeah. had some. So check that one out. Um, another one that I um, just think is worth talking about that we've had a few pieces about on our site is We Need New Names by No Violet Bulawayo, who is an African writer. Um, and I think with... Um, Chinua Achebe or Chinua Achebe or however we pronounce it. However you'd like to say it is fine with us. Uh, With his passing earlier this year, Americans are paying more attention to African literature. And this is a story about a 10-year-old girl named Darling in Zimbabwe um, who is navigating the violent world that she lives in basically on her own. Uh, Emily Gatlin, who's one of our book riot writers wrote a, a piece recently about new African literature. Um, she had nothing but high praise for this. So I think we need new names is worth checking out. And if you are in the mood for a paperback instead uh, the art forger by BA Shapiro, which was published by Algonquin books last year um, is out in paperback this week. It is uh, fiction about an art heist. Uh, and I love a good heist story. Oh, so, yeah. I, I have to say, I bought this for my dad for uh, Father's Day last mm-hmm. year, and he really liked it. Yeah, I haven't read I didn't all read of it. it. I, read, I didn't read it, but I read the blurb, and I'm like, I read a few pages, I'm like, this sounds really cool, right up my dad's it, alley. Um, and he really enjoyed it. So art world, heisty, mm-hmm. insidery stuff about Scratch the world your of Ocean's expensive. Eleven yeah, itch. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he really liked it. So if that sounds interesting to you, I have a secondhand recommendation. Very good. That's, that's the best I can do for you today. On, on I think you're generally in pretty good territory with Algonquin books. Yeah, also. that's true. That's true. Good cover. Good looking cover on that mm-hmm. too. 
All right, we got one more cluster of stories. To kind of two, stuff about planes, weirdly. Yeah, since we just did trains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Trains, planes. Now we need something about cars. Um, so Senator Claire McCaskill, from where? You know, I don't know where she's She's from, from Missouri. From Missouri, from the great she state of Missouri, Missouri. The show me state. Mm-hmm. Is fighting to change airline policies about e-readers, basically saying, why can't you keep your nook on when we're taking off and landing, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that's what it is. It's, it's basically a look. We all know that having your phone or your e-reader on during takeoff and landing is not actually the problem that everyone says it is. Yeah. Like there have been studies of this. It, it, it's science. It's out there. And so Claire McCaskill is basically doing the like, let us read during takeoff and landing because science. Also, because we might be nicer to each other. Um, well, because takeoff and landing are the worst parts. They are. I and, mean, and you got to have your Dan Brown open. I mean, if you get, if you ever need Dan Brown, that's, that's what you need. For sure. Coming on a t- turbulent uh, arrival you, to O'Hare. If you are like me and you don't want to talk to the person you're sitting next to on excellent a plane point. because excellent, you, excellent point. you just want to read and two hours of uninterrupted reading time is not a common thing in your life, then takeoff is crucial. Like you, you've got to have your defenses up at takeoff <laughs> so, so you don't get looped into the chit chat with the person next to you who is not going to shut up after and, takeoff. And hopefully they're not on book lovers too because then they'll know what you're reading and have an end to talk to you. Your shields will right. come down. I think maybe Claire McCaskill is just going to score one for introverts everywhere good, and make yeah. us not have to talk to the hey, people look, that we it's not a big deal. You can't read your Kindle when you're taking off or landing, but it'd be one of those little things that would make flying better if you could. It would be so great. And there are just, you know, there's so many headaches about flying that if yeah. I could just sit down and read the thing on my e-reader, because now I've got to pack my e-reader and a print book so that I have something to read during takeoff and landing so yeah. that I can be well defended against the chit chatters. If you got to make me take my shoot and my shoes and belt off to get on a plane, let me, let me read for the 15 minutes during arrival. Right. Just there's just a lot. I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of irrational, silly stuff that we have to do. And you know what? Security. If my Kindle and- can bring down a Boeing 787 Dreamliner, bad job Boeing. That's all I've bad got to say. Bad job, job Boeing. Uh, like we can have Wi-Fi installed on these planes. Seriously. <laughs> but you can't <laughs> read on your e-reader that's not usually connected to You know, probably Wi-Fi. they just can't find a way to charge you for it. That's probably what they're doing. They want to figure out a way. If you want to keep I, your Kindle on, 10 bucks. I would do that. I would pay 10 bucks. Like, I would do I would it give, and hate American Airlines so much. Mm-hmm, but I would do I'd it. I'd probably do it. All right, I would one give more you plane, my $10. One more plane book story. You um, do this one. This one. Uh, Qantas, which, as you know, never crashes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a nice 80s movie reference for That it. is a ringing endorsement. Um, they're doing a special, I guess, promotion for their transatlantic flight or transatlantic, transoceanic flights, um, where they will give you a special Qantas only book that is meant to be just as read and take just as long to read as your flight that you're on. Did I, that, I, I felt like I butchered that. Did I butcher that? I felt like I butchered that. So if you're taking a nine hour flight, that's how long apparently it takes. I just made up to go from Sydney to Tokyo or something like that. Well, sure. They're going to provide you with a novella that should take the average reader nine hours to read. So you you're going to need a bunch of novellas for nine hours, my friend. Well, you know, a good novella. You know, you're slow. I don't know. Whatever. You get the idea. <laughs> um, but special only to Qantas. Give you something to read. I guess this is a people don't know what to read problem. So, they're like, wait, are, are they commissioning? They're commissioning new stories for new this, stories. right? Yeah, they're not From just picking stuff. 
Is this like from James Patterson's stable of writers who are hungry no, or it's, uh, are they Hachette? Hachette. Oh. Yeah. So I think Well, James um, Patterson is Hachette. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just, I don't that's right. Because uh, that matters right now. So it, it looks like it's there's gonna be some commissioned stuff, but the series could pull from existing work. It doesn't say commissioned a series of novels that are exact length of Qantas flight time. So I wonder First of all, giving people free books on an airline is a brilliant idea. So smart. Because, because maybe then everyone will read and not try to talk to you. That, well, and uh, also most airlines are interchangeably hateable. Right. Right. So if you're like, oh, Qantas, I get a book. Good thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. How do they decide? I guess, how do you determine what, how, I guess, how quickly the average person reads uh, or si- how many science, pages, science, how many words Better you need? through science. Better living through, better reading through science. Better reading through science. I think Let's it's cool. science it. I should also say it's for the Platinum Flyer Club, which I have no, it sounds like a euphemism mm. for something to me. But um, Free books for the rich people. Free, free books for the rich people. And I should say, interesting, that's a mostly male writership in the Platinum Flyers Club. So this is going to be catered to nonfiction thrillers and crime-based short stories because that's what dudes like, as we all know. Because gender. Because of gender and science, that's what Qantas is giving us. You're going to get Book short James Patterson novellas. <laughs> gender and science. Gender and science brought to you by Qantas and Hachette. Um, but a cool idea. I yeah, would get I on board cool. with Qantas if I were flying from uh, Melbourne to um, you know, Taipei. They should, they should do it like the snack trays. Like, oh. you know, on today's flight, you can have Doritos, Pringles, or chocolate chips. And we've got James Patterson. Uh, the latest Mary Roach, awesome nonfiction, and uh, Nicholas Sparks. Take your pick. Here's an interesting factoid. I'm, I'm looking at the, a link out of the main story. We're gonna. I'll drop this in the show notes too. The, according to our literary friends at Hachette, the average reader consumes between 200 and 300 words per minute, which hmm. equates to about a page per minute. I don't like consumes words. That's weird. How about reads, folks? But yeah, anyway, reads is how we do a it. Page a minute. Page a minute. So you know, a nine-hour flight, uh, nine times 60, 540 minutes. 540 pages. I guess if you read the whole time, you could read The Inferno by Dan Brown, or just in, which is 568 pages, mm-hmm. which is actually the perfect place to read The Inferno. Sorry, yes. Inferno. I keep saying Inferno. Inferno on a plane for nine hours. So that's pretty cool. And they're going to be um, paper books, you know, mm-hmm. and have a. Well, because you design. can't e read on a plane. I know. Jeff. It's like, that would be awesome. It's like, here's your book. You can't read it for a half hour. oh boy i would love to see this happen it would be yeah it'd be great it would be cool especially if you had some choices you know like airline movies are notoriously sort of not awesome like it's all the b-roll stuff that studios just want to make more people watch i mean that's another way to do it would be to give someone like a credit to a bookstore like an online bookstore like Mm -hmm. use their wi-fi and while you're on the plane you've got uh, 15 bucks to spend at the barnes and noble bookstore whatever they have in australia yeah a thing that i would love in airports since we're going to talk about this now is little lending libraries like how we see little little free community libraries popping up in neighborhoods like how I've I, I have had the serendipitous thing happen several times where I finish the book that I'm reading as the plane lands, and I would love to be able to like drop that book in a box in the library for someone else to pick up, really and then cool I could pick idea. up something else that I hadn't read yet to take on my next flight. Like, Super yeah, that good would idea. it would cut into airport bookstores, 
um, possibly, but, but it might Jet also Blue doesn't care about airport bookstores. Yeah, like, it might also like Jet Blue, Southwest, one of those kinds of Virgin, maybe these yeah, thinking. Yeah, Jet Blue. Those those three would be really, really great. Like you walk into the Jet Blue terminal, and here's the community library. Like my neighborhood coffee shop has that. Yeah, you my can leave. laundry room in our apartment building has that. Just there's yeah, like a little so shop why do we can give one take one? Why do we not have this? In That's a good idea because people are done with um, Inferno by Dan Brown. Right. And they're like, you know what? This is a big hardback. I'm going on vacation. I don't want to lug this thing around. I'll right. I'm also right never going to read it again. So why do I need to keep it? No. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, maybe it would be, I hope it wouldn't be only be in the Platinum Flyers Club lounge. No, I think this would be for the people. Because think of the dudes, how many dudes are just sitting in there without books. I have sat next to dudes on flights who did the putty from Seinfeld thing where like we sat there for three hours and he just looked straight ahead the whole time. <laughs> like didn't sleep. I think you sat next to a cyborg who was in their down cycle. (laughs) What it felt like. I was scared the whole time. (laughs) He was was about to flip out. And then I was like, oh, maybe he's an air marshal. Oh, man. Okay. That's our story for the week. One quick thing. Next week, we're at BEA. Boop. um, Along with a bunch of Book Riot people. And if you don't know, Book Book Expo America's BEA is kind of the big North American trade show for the publishing world. We're going to be looking at a whole bunch of books, seeing what's coming out. We're going to do a live – no, I'm sorry. That's wrong. An in-person Rebecca and I face-to-face podcast on Friday, uh, a week from Friday. Mm-hmm. So um, be excited. I, I guess – will we talk about news stories next week or are we just going to talk about the show? What should we do? You know, we'll see. Publishing always acts like it's going to have a lot of big news the week of BEA. Like a bunch of people always say they're going to announce their next big thing um, at BEA. And then it doesn't always feel like the show is that newsy. So we will see, but we will definitely have new books to talk about. We should have some funny stories. We'll have been in a room with a bunch of our contributors in one place, which is a thing that only happens once a year. It's true. It's like Mardi Gras for book nerds. And yeah, so it's like BEA is like one part you know, a bunch of crazy meetings and then one part book summer camp with a bunch of people who like maybe also don't really like leaving their house too <laughs> right. much, but they will leave it to talk to other book people. So give me um, two titles you're hoping to take a look at. Do you have two? Do you have anything on your mm. radar? Or do, you, do you go in thinking that or what are you looking at? You know, I used to. Um, yeah. The Well, I think one of the big ones is Mad Adam by Margaret uh, Atwood. Yes. It's the third in her Mad Adam trilogy. I already have a galley. Oh, come on. <laughs> of it um, because I offered my firstborn child to someone at Random House. Um, but I think they're going to be giving that one away. I'm not sure, but I'd be real surprised if it if, if they weren't. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I would also be looking out for Tampa by Alyssa Nutting, which I've also read already. So I know I'm sort of spoiling it, but... Um, You're cheating. I'm, but it's You're worth looking. you a cheater. I'm sorry. Just it's totally there. worth... No, I mean, no, no, be quiet. Just sit there and be a cheater. You're a cheater. Uh, I got two. What are you looking for? Do you Donna stand in Tart, line for the Goldfinch? I don't. Oh, right. I, don't I don't stand Tart. in line, but um, you know, if I happen to be close to one, I might keep my eyes out for it, or have one of our book riot minions keep um, their eyes out for me. Hold on, wait. Do we have minions? They don't know that's what they are. Oh. Um, it's it's on the documentation. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, Lahiri Jumba Lahiri has a new book coming out. I'm wondering Ooh. if that's going to be there. Possibly. Yeah, new novel coming out there. Yes. Um, that's the big that's the big one so I, i'm looking for those two um but we'll oh, see yeah, what else there's always something if you're listening to this and you're in new york and you want to go to this thing oh, yeah. on the saturday of book expo america so listeners. next saturday june 1st yeah uh, is the power readers 
day and you can buy a power reader ticket. Uh, there's a limited number of them through a bunch of independent bookstores. I believe that Word in Greenpoint has them and Greenlight and maybe some other ones. Yeah, if you go to Word Brooklyn, uh, yeah. so you can Google that. And- yeah, if you go to bookexpoamerica.com, I think you can find out how to buy yourself a Power Readers ticket, but the publisher's booths will still be open. Um, there will be authors doing signings. You can walk around. You can see what it's like to go to a publishing trade show. You might be able to pick up some cool books before they come out um, or learn something about how books get made. might be worth your time. And we'll be there. We'll be there. And we're exciting. Sort of. I mean... I mean, you're very tall and I'm very... We're grading on a curve so at least grading funny on to a look curve. At. Yeah, I know. That's true. All right, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I am Jeff O'Neill. You can find me on Twitter at Reading Ape. You are? Rebecca Shinsky. And you can find me on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, which is S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. You can follow Book Riot on Twitter at Book Riot. Um, If you've got something to say about the show, want to let us know about something, have an idea for a story, whatever feedback you want to give us, we have an email that you can uh, use, podcast at bookriot.com. I should say this show is edited by my brother, Kyle O'Neill, who's doing a great job for us. He's on Twitter at Trey O'Neill, T-R-E-O-N-E-A-L, though he's not on there that much, but you can harass him if you'd like. Uh, what else should we say? Is that it? You can find us on Facebook where oh, we Facebook. have of fun and post things that we don't post anywhere else, facebook.com forward slash book riot. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, um, we'll drop the links into the stories we talked about. Um, go to bookriot.com backslash podcast, and that'll go give you a list of uh, all the um, show notes, and it'll be the one at the very top because it'll be the most recent one, episode three. Thank you so much for listening. And Rebecca, we will talk to you somewhere else. Yes. Bye.